Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Impolite Company. I'm your host, Scott Wingeter. What does the world look like in a post-Roe v. Wade world? I promised you that I would have my uh, former guest, Teresa Strack, back after the Dobbs decision was made, and she joins us here today. Teresa, how are you? I'm doing well. All right. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm glad to be back. So can you answer that question? What does the world look like in a post-Roe v. Wade world? Well, to me, it's a brighter world. Uh, It cannot be understated or overstated that there's now going to be millions of lives, unborn lives, unsaved. And, you know, many women and men just saved from sometimes a lifetime of regret. So that's a great thing. It's a very fluid situation right Mm -hmm. now. So we're still really waiting. It's still so early to see exactly, you know, what the landscape is going to look like. Right. Yeah. In fact, today uh, we're filming, what is it? It's August 3rd. Uh, And so it's Wednesday. Uh, We had the Kansas primary yesterday. Mm -hmm. They had on the ballot a constitutional amendment that was going to try to basically say, I'm going to paraphrase here. It stated that there was no... uh, constitutional right to an abortion in the constitution of the state of Kansas. And, uh, it looks as if that was pretty badly defeated, uh, and was not adopted by the people of Kansas yesterday. Uh, thoughts on that? Well, I was very saddened, you know, the projections early on, uh, was that the populace was strongly supportive Mm -hmm. of, uh, of life and, uh, that it was going to pass, but there was a lot of money that flowed into Kansas. Uh, I saw one report. They said you couldn't hardly watch uh, any television, listen to any radio, drive down any street mm-hmm. without seeing a billboard and some sort of messaging. And the uh, pro-abortion side outspent, you know, the pro-life side, uh, ran a very effective campaign, apparently, and really totally flipped, you know, the numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the voter... Uh, turnout was also just huge. Right. And the other thing that I was looking at, and I mean, we were both discussing this prior to, uh, you know, Tim in the other room saying action, right? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We were talking about it and, you know, this just came out and we haven't had time to really do an in-depth analysis or anything like that. So, you know, this is just our gut reaction to it. But from what I was able to sort of ascertain this morning reading about it, I, I question the idea of that amendment anyway. Uh, not that, you know, of course, I, I'm pro-life and I'm against abortion, but, you know, I, I, I don't know about the idea of affirming a negative in your state constitution. You know, why are we going to go out of our way to say that, no, actually, there is no right to, to an abortion. You're saying, you know, you're affirming a negative, and that seems tricky, and maybe that had a lot to do with you know, people voting no on this. Maybe they thought, oh, this is irrelevant now because of the Dobbs decision. Who knows? We have to see, wait uh, for the analysis of that. But I know it, it, you know, for optics, the left is going to grab a hold of this and say, see, you know, this is why Dobbs shouldn't have been decided. You know, clearly the, the will of the American people is for abortion. And I think that that's a bunch of malarkey. 
What about you? <laughs> yeah, I think, like you said, the wording is always very important. I think also the timing was hurtful because, of course, they had to decide to put it as a referendum at whatever time they had to decide that prior. Mm-hmm. And uh, little knowing that the decision would come down just really now was that June 24th. So really only barely 30 days, over 30 days since that decision. So emotions and misinformation right now are kind of running rampant. Mm -hmm. And so I think as things settle down, because, you know, you're hearing wild accusations that women won't be treated for ectopic pregnancies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you have a stillborn child, the doctor won't, you know, deliver that already dead baby. Just really just like I said totally uh, untrue uh, statements and falsehood being made simply just to gin up fear right and I think that unfortunately came into play with this they were able to play on those fears fears and there has not been enough time to dispel the untruths right so I don't think this will necessarily be as potent of an issue uh, and will resonate as much with the uh, voters come November at least that's what I'm hoping mm-hmm yeah, I, I'm hoping that as well. And, you know, I, the way I've been trying to describe this, you know, and it's a victory and it's something that we should celebrate and it's great uh, as, as it is, you know, it's we won a battle and there's still a whole nother war to win. Uh, you know, we got to win in 50 states. Yeah. Um, this, you know, battle after battle after battle. And I mean, thank God we live in, you know, the great state of Texas where, you know, abortion is now illegal. Uh, in in most cases. Um, But, you know, we have to take that fight as a pro-life community here in the United States to every state house, every governor's mansion all across this great country. Yeah. That's why I tell people like with with us, you know, what we're all about is that heart-mind change. And that happens one conversation at a time. Mm -hmm. And so I'm telling folks, just because if you live here in Texas, and we're a pro-life state, you have friends and family in Kansas, California, Colorado, New York, all those other states Mm -hmm. that are going to still protect abortion. Uh, So have those conversations, you know, be bold again, know your own power and know your power as an influencer among your family and friends and have those conversations. We've got to continue to work on people's attitudes. I do believe, again, it's going to come down to a question of personhood as far as the legal aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, we have to have the conversation state by state, but it most definitely is going to go right back to the Supreme Court. Um, I guess your uh, viewers might be aware that in Arizona, I don't know if I mentioned this in our previous podcast, but Mm -hmm. Arizona just last year in 2021, they passed a law that identified and set personhood as Mm. beginning at the moment of conception and that all civil rights accrued from that point. Well, you know, Alito and Kavanaugh were trying to avoid you know, having to deal with the issue of abortion, we'll send it back to the states. Mm-hmm. But yet already just a little over 24 hours after they released the Dobbs decision mm-hmm. on the Saturday following the Friday Dobbs decision, mm-hmm. uh, ACLU in, in Arizona already filed suit mm-hmm. challenging that Arizona law because they recognize it's about personhood. Yeah. So that issue is already boomeranging right back to Supreme Court. So well, yes, that, you know, state to state, but it's going to go right back to Supreme Court. Well, that's good. And I, I, I really think, you know, from our previous discussion, that's where it belongs. You know, as, as much of a victory as this Dobbs decision was, as, as, you know, it was a good thing that came out of it for sure. But it wasn't the best decision. 
you know, that it could have been stronger and it should have been stronger. You know, uh, I think I said this the last time I had you on, you know, it's this simple. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. That in order to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving the just powers from the consent of the governed. That's the purpose of government. Government is designed to protect the individual's uh, rights and to even entertain, you know, even at the state level, this concept that a woman could, you know, decide that she was going to murder her unborn child in utero, that that is not the government doing its job. And I think in, when you read the Dobbs decision and you go in and you read the history that, you know, Alito put in there, which was, I think, you know, very well written, that has always been the case. That has always been something that the government, even going back to English common law, sought to do. If you intentionally murdered the baby inside your womb, you know, you were going to be in some legal jeopardy there. Yes. I mean, that's a, just a basic, as you say, uh, purpose of government. Mm -hmm. I love that quote from Thomas Jefferson. Again, I think I did say it the last time I was here, but I do love it. I want to reiterate now, and that's that he said, the care of human life and happiness and not their destruction mm -hmm. is the first and only object of good government. Mm -hmm. So that is a fundamental right. So the question is, what is a person? So we are going to have to settle that. And Abraham Lincoln said with slavery, a nation divided cannot stand. Mm -hmm. We couldn't stand on the issue of slavery as a divided nation with two minds. We're not going to be able to stand on the basic issue of life with a divided mind. And like I said, the 14th Amendment states very clearly, no state shall deprive any person mm -hmm. of life, liberty, and property. So we're going to have to decide that level, uh, what is a person on a federal level, because mm -hmm. it's a civil rights issue. And we don't... Um, kind of allow states to set their own standard for any other civil right. We don't say that you can set your own standard, Kansas, for the right to bear arms. Right. You get to set your own standard, Kansas, you know, on the right to freedom of religion or, or freedom of speech or freedom of press. Basic civil rights are just that, right. universal national civil rights. Yeah, well, I mean, that is implicit in the 14th Amendment, as mm -hmm. you just said. You know, that was something that the 14th Amendment definitely codified uh and the idea again was going back to slavery and i i've i've written articles about this I, i've spoken about this there is this i like to make the comparison between abortion and slavery because you know they are definitely examples of you know we used to call um slavery the peculiar institution mm -hmm. why is it peculiar well because it flies in the face of natural law it's an example where positive law and the government is going to be empowered to make laws is it's able to trump natural law well all law if all positive law needs to be underneath natural law because that like we just said is government's purpose right it's to yes. protect the rights so you know the idea that the four, the 14th Amendment, like you just said, it, it's going to say that every state has to follow this whole idea that, you know, we have to protect your rights, you know, whether it's the federal government or whether it's the state government, or I'd even go as far as the local government. They have a responsibility to protect the rights of the individual, and you can't escape that. And, 
you know, I, I agree. I think that this is coming right back to the Supreme Court. It needs to, and they need to just hunker down and be brave the way that they were during this Dobbs decision and do the right thing. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how long it takes for it to kind of filter back up to them. Mm -hmm. But I am hopeful because I can understand that maybe they felt like they needed this step. Um, but I very, was very happy that it's already boomeranging back to them. And I am hopeful that they will then mm -hmm. have the same you know, moral fortitude that they had with Dobbs and take that next step and say, no, we are going to rule in you know, the 14th Amendment. These are people, mm -hmm. fully recognizable people, and they're, you know... I mean, they need the same right to life that everybody else has. So I'm hopeful for that. So let me ask you, then, let's say a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, whenever the Supreme Court gets around to doing that, if they then take that case up and they do the right thing the way that they did in Dobbs, then what does that mean for the pro-life movement? Does that mean that the pro-life movement can say, all right, we won the war, boys, let's go home and pack up our stuff and there is no more pro-life movement? What happens? Well, there'll always be a pro-life movement just because all of our civil rights are always under attack. I mean, mm -hmm. We still have uh, a need for the NRA to protect our Second Amendment right. right. We still have the need to protect our right to religious liberty and freedom of assembly. We saw that with COVID. Right. Who would have thought the government would be shutting down our <laughs> yeah. churches? So, yeah, there'll always be a pro-life movement because that issue is always going to need to be addressed. And the pro-life movement, too, I, I, you know, we were just talking uh before the camera started rolling, the pro-life movement is a lot broader than a lot of people realize. Would you like to opine on that a little bit? Well, you know, it, it covers, like you said, a wide range because it started with a disrespect for life, you mm -hmm. know, with the unborn. But now, like I said, you've got a real disrespect for the handicapped. You have a disrespect for the elderly. Mm -hmm. And it covers a wide range of topics. As you and I, like I said, we're talking um, I was telling you about a young woman. She was 25 years old, healthy, vibrant, had two small children, and uh, it had a massive uh, epileptic episode mm -hmm. and uh, was in the hospital. And they were claiming, the medical staff, um, that you know, she was brain dead. And then she actually was experiencing locked-in syndrome. Mm -hmm. So after a couple of days, she actually came back to consciousness. Oh, man. And so she was actually hearing them pressuring her husband to allow them to do organ donation. Oh, my God. And, yeah, telling, her, telling them that she's brain dead and this is for the greater good. So they weren't really valuing her individuality. That is they nightmarish. Were looking at the, yeah, yeah, they were looking at the collective good. Yeah. And, and their collective good balance scale said, that it was better for her to be dead to help all these others right. well to me that's a right to life issue because if we lose mm. sight of the individual we are each individuals yes so then the collective is going to be hurt too because right. we're all going to suffer that's absolutely correct um so how can people if they want to get on board if they want to help out uh your organization uh life first um how how can they reach you well, they should go to our website, lifefirst.org, and then they'll find out what we're all about. Uh, there's all kinds of activities that they can get engaged with. Uh, they can always call me or and call our, our uh, ministry at 281-900-8209. We can have a further conversation. Uh, we actually are wanting to do a podcast. <laughs> so yeah. we would love them to go to our donate page and 
help us start to raise the funding for that. Mm-hmm. You know, the conversation has gone nationwide. Mm-hmm. And so we already have through our Windows Life Again social media campaign, we have a framework in place and ministry uh, outreach is in place to be part of the national conversation. But having a podcast such as you have mm-hmm. would allow us a further opportunity to reach beyond the borders of Texas and impact those national conversations in the other states. This is such an important topic uh and in a lot of ways it's it's of course everybody that's listening to this podcast watching it on youtube there's no escaping this right now it's i wake up every day i go to real clear politics i I read all the headlines you know and every single day i see something on there about the roe v wade decision or the dobbs decision or abortion or you know it is inescapable right now in the body politic and I think that this is a great time for you to step out as an organization and get something like this going to have that conversation with people and have a place where people that are really laser focused on this issue can go to get the truth. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what you guys are, are able to do on that podcast. Well, well, thank you. Could I have just a moment? Do we have time for me to tell about our monthly meeting coming up on August? The ones that are in this area, Conroe, Texas, mm-hmm. Woodlands area, we're actually going to be featuring three ministries. A lot of people know about the pregnancy care centers. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the indictments against the pro-life movement or people who don't mm-hmm. support abortion is, what about the women? You don't care about the women. And what about the babies after they're born? Mm-hmm. Well, there's that whole network, of course, of pregnancy care centers, which far outnumber the abortion centers. But there's mm-hmm also other tiers of aid and we're going to spotlight three different ministries the Gabriel Project Embrace mm-hmm. Grace and then Loveline a new ministry that was started by Abby Johnson recently oh awesome yeah so we're gonna let people know about that I always say that uh, you know compassion is best expressed individually mm-hmm. so we don't I mean we need frameworks in place you know through the government to help people but really we need to take ownership again mm-hmm. be aware of the resources in your community that can help a young woman that you come aware of who has an unplanned pregnancy think about yourself what can i do what can my family do what right. can my church do mm-hmm. so this meeting will just give them maybe some resources that they'll have at the ready it drives me crazy that the left is able to look at us and of course this is an ignorant thing to say but i hear it a lot they say you know, come up with this idea that like, oh, well, you're conservative and you're a Republican. And so you don't like helping people. No, I'm a conservative and I'm a Republican. You're just mad at me because I don't want the government to be the ones that are helping people. Folks, that's not the government's job. That's the job of the church. All right. And if you're a believer, then you have an obligation to love your neighbors. You love yourself. Uh, and help out folks. There's nothing wrong with that. And it, it, I think I've never met a conservative, a true conservative that would disagree with that. Um, yes. We are all about charity. We're all about helping out folks. We yes. just don't want the government doing it. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I've seen statistics that show that, mm-hmm. you know, statistically Republicans actually give more charitable giving than mm-hmm. Democrats do. Yeah. People can look that up. And one of the ministries that I mentioned, Embrace Grace, that is actually their specific focus. Mm-hmm. They want to have churches be the first place people go to, yes. you know, and women. Uh, when they find that they're in an unplanned pregnancy rather than the last. And so we want, again, individually to be the first arms of love and help you know, from Christ and our churches. Yep. I, 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 I think that 
is definitely something that every church should be doing. I think that there's no reason that, you know, when I think of all the different denominations that are out there, whether you're Catholic or Mormon or Baptist or Presbyterian or Lutheran or whatever, like we I, look, I know you probably all have your own theological arguments about the, you know, one another and everything like that, but certainly we can all agree with that. Yes. You know, so let's work together yes. to get that stuff done. And mm-hmm. that's what I, I think is the heart of Christ. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Teresa, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I'm glad to have you back. Um, I, I do want to gloat for a second. Um, I was right in my prediction that Roberts would jump ship and join the conservatives. So <laughs> ah, good for me, huh? Well, I give you kudos for that. <laughs> awesome. So thanks again for coming on the show. And uh, we'll have to have, definitely have you back. And uh, be sure to uh, check out Life First uh, and be looking down the pike for a potential podcast. We'll have to see. We're excited. Thank we'll, you. Yep. And we'll keep you posted here on Impolite Company on whether or not uh, they decide to start doing their podcast and you know uh i was just on hank's think tank and you know i want to share this with you as well um when we get all these podcasters together we're not in competition it's a lot like the church you know Mm -hmm. we have a message we have a mission we're we're trying to get information out to folks it's not about you know oh well they have more followers and no who cares let's all work together to try to get this message out and try to keep you know this county red the state red let's try to turn the country red and let's try to get this you know back on the right tracks here so that's yeah. my heart i appreciate that scott yeah. and could i just mention our student contest real quick again yes please have those conversations uh come you know it's about to start the school year mm-hmm. and so we'll be starting up and we always relaunch our five pro-life student contests mm. at the start of the school term um, they run two of them in the fall and three of them in the spring. And again, about us taking ownership and having those conversations with people. And so that's what the contests are all about mm-hmm. is to equip the students and the parents as they're having those conversations about the value of life to get inspired and want to have those conversations and be equipped with knowledge to share with others, to touch people's heads and hearts. So I encourage folks to look at our website under the student activities tab, take part in those student contests. All the contests have great cash prizes. Most yep. of them are $1,000. That's another active thing that people can do uh, now with the Dobbs mm-hmm. return to, again, get that attitude change that will sweep across our whole nation. Amen. Awesome. Well, Teresa, I want to thank you one last time for coming on the show. This was you know, an excellent opportunity to have you back. And, uh, you know, again, we'll have to have you on again in the future. We'd like to thank the Dockline Studios for... Um, hosting us once again and providing us this great space. In fact, if you are looking to do a podcast or if you want to up your uh, local business here in Montgomery County, why don't you check out the Dockline? The Dockline provides all of the sort of things that you would need to accomplish that task, whether it's online presence, uh, digital media marketing, we have all of your marketing needs. You can check us out at thedocline.com and check out our new website, thedoclinestudios.com as well for all of your new Dockline Studios uh, podcast productions, just like this show here in Polite Company. We have a whole bunch of other shows that are going to be coming out, and I think you guys are really going to like it. Thank you so much. Teresa, thanks again. Thank you, Scott. All right. Please come back and check us out for our next episode of Impolite Company. We'll see you then. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Impolite Company, presented by The Doc Line. If you like what you heard, be sure to rate our podcast and leave a five-star review for us.